Three Hogs in the mic. This is your man, Mr. Window. I got GT and Limbo with me. And uh, first of all, we want to give uh, our, our partner in crime, Luther Franklin, a shout out and his speedy recovery. He just, you know, he just had surgery yesterday. And Limbo, um, we want to wish you a speedy recovery too, because we know that you had to go back in and have some work done uh, for yourself. So, um, Greg, Limbo, y'all there? We there, we there. Well, talk to me. What's happening? Not much, man. I'm glad to be on. Let's go. Let's go. I need to put my phone on. Do not trying to get on. You want to get its podcast going? You know, it's good to be back with the people. You know. Yeah, it's a good thing, man. You know, uh, we did, we did, we tried to do a live podcast over the Fourth of July weekend when we were all together down in Texas in a in a uh, Airbnb facility. Uh, which, by the way, if you post any pictures of me, I'm going to sue y'all for defamation of character. <laughs> <laughs> well, well let's, let's do this. Let, let's chat up a little bit later. Let's bring our guest on first, and then we can have fun at the end. What do you say about that? Well, that's fine. That's fine. Let me go ahead and get him on. I got people texting me and everything. I don't. Know, yeah. I don't know if they're listening. I don't know what's going on. Are we live tonight or what? Limbo, no. Limbo, are you are you are you live tonight or what? Or are you just quiet? Who me? Oh, he quiet. <laughs> I'm quiet. I'm letting y'all run. You know, y'all want to run your mouth. I let y'all run. All right. So you can't get in trouble if you listen by listening. All right. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and bring our guest on. And uh, you guys, y'all go ahead and talk. As a matter of fact. Uh, while I bring the guest on, what you guys talk about what's going on? Uh, you know that uh, that five star that just got recruited by uh, he just committed to Kentucky. Um, you can talk about whatever. <laughs> We're trying you to figure it out. Like, you say the like Kansas City Chiefs. Do that. All right. So until they beat us, they, yeah, Kansas City Chiefs. Until they until, until they prove they can beat us, anybody. In the AFC, it worked with team. Hey, hey, y'all, it seems like the, the bills are coming, man. Well, they keep docking, but they can't come in. Okay. Seems, so seems like the, the, hey, the best wide receiver just went to the to the Raiders. So they're going to be knocking. Man, look here. The Kansas City Chiefs got some issues going on right now. Call they no issues. They, they got some issues going on. Uh, and by the way, guys, no uh, first of all, uh, let me let me welcome our guest in. We got Coach Fitz Hill online right now. Doctor. That's Doctor. Doctor Fitz Hill. Doctor Fitz Hill. Excuse me. We, we got, oh, well, Coach. <laughs> we got we got Master Degree Coach 
PhD. I don't know what to call him, but I'm just going to call him Coach. <laughs> call the doctor. You call the doctor. I'm good. I'm good with Coach. I'm good with Coach. All right. No, I don't worry. I don't worry about those titles. <laughs> All right. That's good I, 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 I just put him in the game. I get in where I fit in. Just put me in. Put me in. Put me in. There you go. That's a true player right there. Look here, Coach. Yeah. I don't care what position I got to play, loads the team win. That's all I'm trying to that's do. All, that, that, that's, that's, that's all that matters. We, we, we're, we're, we're happy to play. So I, a two-chin strap game. I done got double button up, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> hey, What's uh, going on, Doc? Good to hear from you, man. Been looking forward uh, to this all, all week. Uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to be asked to participate. Like I said, I, I always enjoy the opportunity to share, and uh, God has been good to Fitzhill, and I like to, to like always honor God in all that I do. Okay. All right. Okay, well, a doc, right. uh, Dr. Coach Fitzhill, before we get started, and, and they're going to make fun of me because <coughs> they, they say that I know everybody. Uh, you, yeah, you, you, you related some kind of way. You, no, no, we're not related. But I, oh, <laughs> oh, but I met him. I met him. My my brother Karoma, my baby brother Karoma Smith, was going to school at uh, Arkansas Baptist while you were the president there, and I came. Yes. Down, I came down to meet you uh, <coughs> uh, for a meeting. I, I think it was, it was set up a meeting for me to. I don't. I can't remember exactly what, but I got the chance to meet you then. And, and uh, but I didn't get a chance to meet you while you were up here coaching. Okay. Uh, but uh, I got a chance to meet you then, and uh, and we do have another tie together because my high, one of my high school coaches is now the head coach, I believe, at Arkansas Baptist College, Coach Wilson. Yeah, Coach Wilson. I was his, actually his graduate assistant. Uh, I worked with him at Arkansas in 1989, the, year, the last time that the uh, Razorback won an outright championship. Queen Grover was the quarterback. James Rouse was the tailback. Barry Foster was the fullback. Derek Russell was the wide receiver. And um, we went on to win the Southwest Conference Championship and uh, uh, played Tennessee in the Cotton Bowl and, and um, lost to Tennessee in the Cotton Bowl. But that's the last outright championship won in football by the Arkansas Razorbacks in 1989. Although there's been Western Division Championship won, that was the last outright conference championship won by the Arkansas Razorbacks. Right, right. Yeah, right. we missed that, didn't we, Limbo? <laughs> well, we, we, we trained all them. We trained. We trained all them guys so they go how to win. Besides that, yeah. you know, and I know everybody was on probation. Besides Arkansas, but that's that's a whole different story. Yeah, yep. we, we 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 tried. We tried. Good gracious, we, we we tried. We just we just couldn't get over the hump. We tried. Sure. You know, finished no, two years in a row. Now. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, and then you know we did. And of course, in 1998, we won the Western Division. Um, uh, and of course, we didn't get to play for the championship because Mississippi State did. And then uh, 95, we actually won the Western Division outright and played Florida in the championship game. And that was, you know, Marjorie got hurt in exactly. the first quarter. Yeah. And we, yeah. you know, that, we had a chance right there, with, you know, but our chances evaporated when he went down. Uh, so, you know, there's been, you know, the SECs. Uh, it's a it's it's a beast, and I I I've, you know I I question every day, and I, I said this you know I don't I think Lincoln Riley did the if you look at the makeup of of the SEC, 
Lincoln Riley probably did the smartest thing that any coach could have done was to abandon Oklahoma and go to USC where he would have the opportunity to win equally as he did Oklahoma. Oklahoma has been a, had been a program that over the last six years has played in the playoffs four times, four yeah. times. Now, why would you want to change that opportunity? Because you, you probably won't see them in the championship game in 10, 10, one out of 10 years, they will make it in the SEC. It so, won't happen. Well, uh, well, well, Coach Hill, let me ask you this, since you brought that up. Now, uh, USC and UCLA are moving into the Big Ten. The Big Ten. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and and the thing about it is, you know, when I was at San Jose State, the Big Ten, that, you know, so that's why if you look at what has happened from a transitional standpoint, who has been product, who has been winning in the Big Ten? Michigan had a year where they came, you know, where, where Harbaugh came in and finally, you know, has, 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 has peaked a little bit. But it's been Penn State and Ohio State. Right. Well, what happened to Ohio State? They had coaches that come from the SEC. Why? Yep. Because they understand the speed of the game. And when I was at San Jose State, you know, when and I told our I told our athletic director, we played Florida in two thousand and and three. And and I told him, I, I said, I said, uh uh, listen, I'll play anybody. I mean, in Big Ten or the Pac-10. Uh, or, or the or, or I said, but do not ever send us down to the SEC again. <laughs> oh, I was here. And I, and I said, and we beat Illinois after they were Big Ten defending champ in the year that Ohio State played, um, uh, won a national championship with, with Claret. You know, we played them. It should have been it should have been 17-17 at halftime. I mean, that's how – That's how. so the speed of the game and USC, when Pete Carroll, what they did with Reggie Bush, the population. Right, the, right. The Big Ten, the, the, the Big Ten won't, be, it won't be a problem as the SEC would. I applaud Lincoln Riley for seeing the vision, you know, of, 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 of that move. And he'll be fine because just, just exactly what Pete Carroll did there in the history of USC, the recruiting base that they have, it, it 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 was a no brainer. You will see that Nebraska, that Oklahoma, in the SEC will be identical. In my opinion, my opinion only will be exactly what Nebraska has done in the Big Ten. Okay, so well, I, I got wait, 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 no, wait, no, 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 wait a minute, Greg. Wait a minute. Go Greg, ahead. Go wait ahead. a minute, because I got to ask this. I got to ask this before I forget. Um, okay, so the West Coast offense. Against the going into the Big Ten, where they they pound the ground, I I, I see USC and and UCLA having some issues with the running game going into the Big Ten. Well, here 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 is the deal: the weather is what will will challenge. A California kid. Okay. I'm going to tell you because coaching there for four years, those were the things that, because you understand in California, you know, uh, that's why Oregon oftentimes, because it rains so much in Oregon and, and, and kids, sometimes I had a kid one time, I had to leave Oregon because it was depressing because of how cloudy it was during the wintertime. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And then so they transferred back to San Jose State but after, after he had signed with Oregon because he was just, you know, when you have 300 days of sunshine a year and then you only have 100 days of something, I mean, it's, it's depressing for you. I think Lincoln Riley understanding the big, you know, 
having and, and success he's had at the quarterback position will be the key agent that will allow him to matriculate and have the recruiting base. How Now, how will the weather be for a team from USC? And once they do a schedule to go play at Penn State, you know, and, and it's cold, That's that will be complicated. Very, oh. very much so. You, you're exactly right because you can't assimilate that weather. Right. Okay. You, so, you can't. But I, I can see that with uh, Lincoln Riley coming from Nebraska and being in that type of yeah, environment. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I, I can see that. I, I, I'm, and I'm glad you said that because I, I was trying to figure out, I mean, and Greg, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a second here. I'm going to get, I, I'm, I'm just trying to get trying to get this out Pitball, go yeah ahead. yeah but i mean but to me to me it's just like uh oklahoma and texas coming into the sec where the SEC, where the sec is defense heavy and, yeah. and and we know that that oklahoma and texas i mean the the big 12 they they i mean in, generally in a you have to score 40 50 points to win a game Right, you know what I'm saying, but you, I, I, absolutely, absolutely, and, and you know the the thing about it, you know, when, when you start looking, is look, Texas struggled against TCU, right? All right, so I mean, how do you think you know Arkansas beat Texas last year? So that that lets you know it's a different type of game. What Texas is banking on is the largest budget, athletic budget in the in the country, is that they're going to be able to recruit to the standard that's expected. At the University of Texas, they have underachieved. Guys, think about this. The University of Texas, the largest operating football budget in the United States of America, did not have one player drafted last year. Wow. Now, what type of wow. not one. Now let me let me tell you how the the significance of that. My album model, Washtow Baptist, had one player drafted. <laughs> and y'all were NIA. <laughs> so, so I want to let you know there's something that the evaluation process is. University of Texas, you can't get a player drafted, and Washtow Baptist, my got a player drafted, you missed. All right. I mean, you just call it away because it's not. We talked about that. Yeah, we, we talked about, about that the other day. Yeah. We talked about that I mean, the other day how Texas is underachieving. Yeah, it's supposed to be and, the and best thing in Exactly. And, and, you know, and I think what I've learned, because I, I, when Charlie was there and, and you know, and in and, and, and doing I'd made a couple of trips there because I take, took my son to football camp there and because and, uh, I knew several coaches there and enjoyed the time there. And I knew Charlie, when, you know, when I was head coach, he was he was defense coordinator of Florida before the game. We'd all, you know, Friday night he'd come over and talk to me, you know, because we Arkansas guys, you know. And so, you know, when you start looking at the evaluation, even before that, Mac Brown, you know, when they won the national championship. And if you go back and look at it, you know, the consistencies of, of, of what Texas has been and when you continue to change. Same thing happened in Nebraska. All right. But when you look at Nebraska and Arkansas and other states that are not heavily populated, Oklahoma is a perfect example. It's hard. Nebraska wanted a big 10. You look at the inconsistencies in winning. It's driven by the state population because you have to go to other people's states to get their best players when you're program when your state like Arkansas on average is only going to produce 10 quality SEC players. Say it again. Say it again. Yeah. I mean, 
on average, on average. Now there's going to be some years, but your population dictates that. Not that the players are not good. On average, unlike Louisiana, which I've said all along, recruiting against LSU, when you look at it per capita, per capita, the best in the country, and 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 doing it. And, and so you know, when you look back at the championships, yes, they should be, they should compete for a national championship every year in football because they have that's a you know they don't have like in alabama you have alabama and auburn well you don't have that you know got lsu and tulane right you don't have that type same you, you so you don't have anybody else in the sec that you're recruiting against all right so so if you look at it when i was a recruiting coordinator at arkansas there are about pre-katrina that was about 69 69 to 75 division one players every year in Louisiana. Okay. Think about that. Well, you can't sign but 25. So here's what I used to do. That's how I ended up Marcus Cavell, Marvin Caston, Ken Anderson, how I would approach it. I approach it differently. Now, if they, if they did track, I can get Coach McDonald, you know, Richard Smith from Shreveport. We can go head to head. I got Richard Smith because he was a world-class, he was a high school world-class long jumper. And I had a receiver. So I looked at him. I said, well, I can go head to head against them because our track program was outperforming them. And right. I'm going to coach yes, him sir. personally. So I have, so I have a relationship. Right. right. But I would look and say, okay, what 25 they going to offer. I wouldn't even recruit them unless they did track because they had another 25 that they wasn't going to that. I said, I'm, I'm going after them because yeah. the number dictates that. And that's why we created the boot click. Probably the best recruit I ever had that that had some problems didn't matriculate was Kenny Wright, the the defensive back out of Ruston, who who ended up transferring. I called Steve Roberts at Northwestern, told him I got a player for you. I think he ended up playing nine years in Minnesota Vikings. Probably the best defensive back I signed the whole time I was there. And and you know who I beat on him? Louisiana Tech. Because, you know, the numbers just dictate, okay, and I have some relationships there, but I knew it. And I, I would never want anybody to, to commit because I didn't want anybody to say, well, why are they going there? I just say, hey, just hold on to the last week when Dead Pierce starts and let them know where you're coming. Because once one somebody would commit to Arkansas, man, it was like buzzards to come in there and try to, you know, and, and try to and try to steal one from me after I already had them committed. So, man, Louisiana has it. And, and you know, Florida, of course, all the same. But the SEC, man, I'm telling you, is a freaking beast. And, um, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley, he, he, he man, he, he, he was very strategic in his move. Okay, all right. What, what, uh, before we move on, Greg and Lebo, because I got, I got a bunch of, a bunch of questions. <laughs> well, well, I'm gonna go on and say my piece on that. Yeah, I understand ahead. what what he's done now at USC, and he's used his transfer portal also. They will be more competitive at yeah. USC this year. Going in, unbelievable. He takes his own quarterback with him. He gets the number yeah. one receiver from West Virginia or Penn State. He gets the running back. Well, he, he, got he, he, he actually, he actually got some well, guys. He actually got some guys coming out of Texas going over to yeah, USC yeah, too. Yes, yeah. he, he did his job. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to yeah, give him and, two and he, on that. And he's going to continue to do it because listen, if you look at at really five programs, and what I'm telling you, blue blood program, the reason that USC is there, they have tradition, and guys. Like like the song said, it never rains in Southern California. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so if you listen, here's the deal: if you can't recruit to Southern California, 
And you, if you can't get Snoop Dogg and you can't get everybody out there with the kids who on a recruiting visit, you don't, you don't need to be in the business. I'm just telling you, can you imagine having Hollywood to recruit to? And they said his house, now he can bring, did y'all see his house that he's built that he can bring recruits to looking over the city and everything? If you, if you can't recruit there, you don't need to be coaching. So you take, you take USC. To me, that's a premium program. Alabama's by tradition, but can, can you imagine visiting Alabama, okay, and visiting USC? It's, it's not even comparable. You going to Alabama for tradition, you know? If you if you want to go to the movies, if you something, if you are a, a talented person who want to be in the arts, and you know, and you know, everybody think they're a rapper today. Everybody <laughs> think they're a rapper. Everybody. 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 That's what I'm saying. So look, that would be part. If I was a cool coordinator, that'd be part of my deal. And I'd have everything set up for these kids coming up. I said, go on in there and cut a tune. Go on in there and make something up for us. What are you saying? Hey, hey, we we got Dr. We got Dr. Dre on on the on the. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. How many millions of dollars over here, Dr. Dre? Come on over here and went over here and and you know and 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 what's our name? Not the Pub Daddy. Song went to USC right. and then play, right? And 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 oh, if you can't, I mean, you remember, you remember that they would wouldn't let Snoop Dogg come on the sideline no more. I mean, I had to take because of all, everything with Reggie Bush and all all that stuff was gonna remember now. Reggie Bush, now NLI ain't in effect now. Can you imagine what he would have got out there? Oh Which man! They, why they took the Heisman Trophy from him? So man, you look at that, and and when you look at the area, oh man, how is it not like like uh, uh Miami? I mean, can you imagine Will Smith Miami song when somebody's come landing in there? That that mean what a kid? Why do you think Dwayne Wade and, and LeBron and all of them went to Miami? Wow. I mean, you know. He, he left Cleveland to go to my it's, it's th those type of places. Hey, and hey, I, the, but, but the reason I say this, and I can go on because, you know, I'm <laughs> passionate about this recruiting deal. I, I, know. I, 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 I say it <laughs> night and day, night and day. But if you go on and look, the reason that LSU for football has their as close as others, Florida State, Florida and them, is because they have the best of both worlds with Southern University and, and LSU right across the street. You get the best food, you get the best social life, and you get to play in the SEC. And I'm telling you, and that's why if you go back and look and realize, you know, they have potential to, to win championships each year because of the population of 60 to 70 that, that get there, everything you have in that state who wants that, and you don't have to leave the state to recruit. You oh. don't. All right, so coach, coach, give me, hey, give, coach, give coach us, Hill. give us a catch. Uh, hold on, little boy. I'm just, I'm just to bring you in right now because now you hold on a second. Well, I want to ask him this question right here. You can bring me in. Uh, we have, uh, you talk about Louisiana and all the food and all that and all the stuff. See, I had one of my students go down there. He only lasted a semester, so you know he had, he's a straight A student. So he had to come oh, back yeah. home. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, but let me tell you this. That, let me tell you this. That's the coach's fault because, listen, you got to manage that because I'm telling you. But that, that's why he went down there because what he what he what he found when he went down there on the recru on the recruiting visit. I mean, I'm telling you, my son is there right now playing basketball, and I'll be down there this weekend. And he said, "Dad, I went out one night." 
And he said, it's different. That was his word. It's different. And he's been, you know, from, he said, it's everything. And so I'm just saying from a foot, but I'm talking football now in the SEC because football is king. And, and, and they, you know, when you get 105,000 people, they expect to win. And the state has, you know, I used to, when I, I, I recruited against them guys for 10 years. I mean, so I understand what I was recruiting against. And, and it's just that type of, 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 population that dictates it. So you look over at Texas A&M, okay. Well, in Texas, well, look, you're looking at almost two to 300 Division One players out of that. I mean, you know, Arkansas, when we were good, I mean, back in the late 80s, probably 40% of our players came out of Texas every year. 50, 50. Yeah, yeah, 50, 50%. yeah. So, so, right, so you do that and yes. and. Um, and and then you, and then you know, step in Louisiana a little bit, because to me, I twenty and above was Arkansas, because the culture doesn't change till you get to Alexandria, all right. So anything from Shreveport all the way to Jackson, Mississippi, that's how I end up getting David Sanders, Emmanuel Smith, both who were, think about it, both who were drafted by the NFL, out of Jackson, Mississippi. So I took that I-20 and rode all the way down there. Michael Williams, who signed for agent. Ken Anderson, who went to Chicago Bears. I just went through there and just started, you know, Michael Snowden, Anthony Lucas, J.J. Matters. When you start looking at that I-20, I said, that's Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, that's why they called the boot clip. And and we've we've had several of them on this podcast, as a matter of fact. Uh, Anthony Lucas, JJ Matters, uh, and, and Anthony Lucas right now, you know, he's got a he's got a, a really nice high school program going on down in Little Rock. Yeah, yeah, right here. I, I get to call a couple of his games every year. I'm proud of you know proud of him, and you know, career was cut short uh, by you know by by injury, but but. Yeah, but he, he's he's doing a great job. I'm glad to see him, you know, continue to. But, but Coach, you know, tradition. we've all been on recruiting trips and we've all seen what universities and people bring to you on recruiting trips. Some some of it's good. Some of it's, you know, it's not always above board. But uh, well, that was back in the day. But now with the NIL and this transfer portal, Limbo, I've been trying to get you in here because you say me and Greg talk a lot and, and – and uh, so I've been trying to get you to get in here and get into this conversation with us. But with the NIL and the transfer portal, I think now, in my in my opinion, uh, Coach, that the NCAA is going to have to step up and start regulating some of this. Or I mean, because it's – I mean, you can't have one player making 2 or $3 million dollars and then, then a player that's that's actually on the field with him and playing the same amount of plays with him and not making anything. No, I agree. I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin mentioned that that there has to be a salary cap. Yeah. Uh, there has to be some type of regulation uh, to to manage this. Is is out of control. Uh, agreed. Uh, I, I I think the NCAA. I, you know, I of course I don't know all the internal decisions that were behind it but you know that their hands were forced by law to open it up and so as you said hey okay this what you want this what you got and so now you know they're trying to get congress and people to to get involved in but here's the thing you gotta understand about the ncaa 
Okay, everybody perceives the NCAA to be this organization of bodies just out there making decisions. The college presidents and administrators of colleges, that is the NCAA because they only have a, a, a administration there, a president and different people on that, that, that get involved in running the day-to-day operations. But when it comes to voting, it's the college presidents that's voting for and the faculty people, faculty representatives of the programs make decisions. That's why you have inconsistencies many times, guys, when they hand out rules and regular when they're handing out punishment based on violations, because you have different committees. There is no jury like you know, like a Supreme Court that's trying to go back and look at precedent cases and say what was done here and what was done there. It's a group of people over here that we think we think this fair. Well, somebody else may have had different experience growing up, so they think that's what this is fair. So that's why you have inconsistencies because you don't have a operating operating board that looks at things and say we did this here, so this is fair, or so we should do the same thing. And the college president, that is the NCAA. So we're thinking about the NCAA. You're thinking about the leadership institution. That's who had to take this and okay. take, take right. charge of this. Maybe uh, call me naive, but I thought the NCAA was a government body, a governing body of the NCAA. It, 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 it is, but what I'm trying to say, the college presidents, all right, are the voting people. It's like Congress that comes in to make these bylaws. You don't you don't just have an NCAA out there making all these decisions well, without the college president's voting. Well, I understand that, but what I was thinking there, the NCAA was like the Supreme Court. What they no, no, that's what I'm saying. So, so here's what I'm saying: you do have people leading that, but when they put these committees together, there are oftentimes it's like the high learners. Okay, for example. Accrediting bodies for, and I learned this as college president of Arkansas Baptist. Well, when people decide whether well, you're going to be accredited or not, it's not organization; it's peer review. Oh <laughs> man! See what I'm saying? So, so who comes to your campus, and when you when you lose accreditation, it's a peer review by somebody else. So it's not this consistent. So it depends on. Who come to your campus where they think that you should continue being accredited? Well, I'm saying the same thing with NCAA. There is no decisions made by, you, you see what's happening now with UCLA. They've been checked on, are they going to be able to get out because of the UC regents? Okay. Did you just, you, I, I okay. just got that. So, now that, so that, 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 that makes a little bit more sense to me now. That makes a little bit yeah. more sense to me because see, see, so, so yeah. the president of, of, of that was saying, okay, yeah, we thought we could make that decision. The governor now has put them in check and said, who, who allowed you to do that? Right. Well, now you've got a governing board who can go back and say, you belong, you belong to us. All right. All right. Well, coach, let, let, let me get limbo. I mean, cause you and I, we, we, you know, I've been asking a lot of questions because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a curiosity. I'm, I'm curious. So let me let Greg and limbo get in here and talk to you for a minute. Uh, they might be mad at me right now. Might not want to say that. I don't know. No, just enjoying the conversation. Go ahead, limbo. Hey coach, your book. I want to talk to you about your book. Yes. Sir. Yes. Um, how, uh, how, um, uh, how college football blindsided the hopes of black coaches. Talk yes, to me sir. about that book. I brought the book and I got a few questions and I got up in my room and I make the kids read, especially some of some African-American kids. So 
go ahead and enlighten us with your book there, Coach. Yeah, actually, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm going to do an addendum to it um, um, in a couple of years. Uh, uh, you know, it was really interesting. I did an interview oh, about, well, last summer. And did you, and what most people don't realize, like, as I, I, I started doing that research as a, as a grad assistant, because, you know, when uh, I first started coaching, there were no black assistants on the staff where I was serving. And I just found that, you know, you know, there were no black, there were no black full-time coaches. And so there were two black GAs. I was one of them. And, and um, we, um, uh, but I, I realized the value of the role models and in, in the relationship I had with the black players. And when the black parents came on campus, I mean, it was like, you know, it was a magnet. And so uh, you're going to take care of my son. Absolutely. That's why I'm here. You know, but then I started looking at even more. So this is when it all hit me. And I, I referenced this in the book, you know, after, you know, I was at Northwestern State. We won the Southland Conference. You know, we had we were talented guys. I mean, I'm telling you, we we had we had I think we had three guys uh, drafted that year in, in, in the draft. And we won the Southland Conference and lost in the second round of one double A playoffs. And and uh, but I was at the the. Uh, the coaches convention in Nashville, Tennessee. I'll never forget. It was January of 1989. And um, I saw a coach who had just got a job from Arkansas and, and uh, um, that I knew. I had, and I said, well, maybe, maybe, you know, I've just been, I coach receivers. And you know, that's one thing about starting a small institution, you get a full-time position. So I coach receivers and I had two guys drafted. And uh, and I learned so much because, you know, be, being at a, a smaller program, you get a position. So I had a position coach, his job with only six full times and then have an opportunity to do that. So I thought I was ready. I thought I was ready to to be a full time coach. And so I'm sitting in the first convention I went to and got my resume in hand. And, you know, people say that's where you get jobs at. And so I see a coach and I said, well, he just got the job. I'm going to give him mine. They said, well, no. He said, he said, you must, I remember an older black coach said, he said, you, you hadn't been in the profession too long. Hey, I said, no, it's just, well, you're in the GA. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, he's already hired as one black coach. I said, but <laughs> I, thought, I thought that they had nine positions. He said they do. I said, because I, I said, I know it's not one double A, which it was time. I said, only six. I said, so maybe I give him my resume. He see, you know, what we've done. He said, nah, he said, you you wasting your time. He said, they're not going to hire more than one black coach. That's exactly what he did. And so at that point, I started doing a content analysis throughout of all the programs. And I found a pattern that was not, you know, what equal opportunity was not accessible. And I came up with the statement, race defined space, because your race dictated that if you got an opportunity. Then I looked at another barrier based on position. Most, what, 80% uh -huh. of all black coaches were either running back or wide receiver okay. coaches. And, and you, defensive you line. Yeah, 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 and that was the third position, but it was most were peripheral initially, and so and so I started looking at those type of things, and you know how it changes. So, man, it, I was just 
I was moved by it. Then I wrote, I wrote a thesis and then I wrote my dissertation. And then like I had, you know, I made presentations throughout the country. People say, you need to turn this into a book, you know, and, and you know, and I did. And, you know, and it, it's, it's, it was, a, it was, it's eye opening. You know, like I tell people, I say it's truthful. I share experiences, anecdotal, then, then data to, to back it up. And so, you know, what was interesting, the reason I'm doing a follow-up is because I was asked why our, when the book came out in 2012, they were at there actually, I thought, you know, the book's just going to be a reference point. And, you know, 20 years later, you can come back and say, hey, Dr. Hill, you know, you got a, hist a history of black coaches that you could use. And so, but that's not true. The numbers not actually, true. the numbers Worse. actually decrease. Yes, and so I works. got on the interview on another podcast and they wanted to know my perspective based on my research. And I told them, I said, well, I don't know this to be a fact because, you know, I don't say stuff that I, have, that I haven't researched. I said, but what I call it, what I see now in our country, I, I said, I call it the Obama effect. And they said, what's the Obama effect? They didn't know. I said, well, anytime that you have progress, there's often it's all it's often followed by regress. Right. And I said, Ooh. it goes backwards. And I said, and so I said, it's I'm, always a what? backlash. It's a backlash. And I said, so do you realize that when when Kevin Sumlin and Charlie Strong were the head coaches of the two blue, blue bloods in Texas and Texas A&M, after that year, that was the following year that not one black head coach had been hired in years. And the reason was because everybody thought the problem was solved. So there was no uh, attention brought to it. It's kind of like when people think that from the presidency position, President Obama, is that if, 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 if an if a African-American that can become the president of the United States of America, then, then equality has finally arrived. And so there is no intentionality to continue being inclusive. And so that's when that happens, then you see you see the the progression that has taken place actually turning to regression and you backtrack. And that's what I call the Obama effect. Now here's the thing too, coach, with you know me being a black coach, um, I had a I got a good friend he's, he's a white basketball coach where I, where I work at and I read your book and I pointed that out to him. And I said, you can pick any program in America, big time program. You're going to find a black running back coach. You're going to find a black wide receiver coach. You're going to find a black defensive line coach. And those are going to be your stable, but you won't find them on the offensive line. You won't find them as a coordinators, but you'll find them at, at those positions. Yep, and it's, it's the same thing as high school and on down. It oh, doesn't yeah. matter. And, and, and in fact, the, the the fact the lower you go, the less represent less representation you have. You have less inclusivity and less uh, uh, diversity in division two and three. It's, it's, it's terrible. I, but see, hmm. it's never the spotlight is never shined on those programs. It's always on those who who in the light. The lower you go, the worse the inclusivity is. I mean, and 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 that and which 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 the reason 
it, 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 it shouldn't be that way because you should be developing. That's why, guys, HBCUs, you know, are, are critically in, in developing talent. And that's why what Dion is doing to bring attention and is, is helping HBCUs throughout because uh, uh, that that's a training ground. I mean, when you when you look, when, I'm telling you, the reason that that black young men do not play baseball now is not it's 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 a fatherhood issue, and it's a access to development. I mean, it's it's not really racial. I it takes place because of the of the social moral decay in our communities without fathers being with their children. And that's the thing that we don't want to address because back during segregation, black boys played baseball. Because why? They had black coaches who did it. But when we integrated, we lost those black baseball coaches. And because there are fewer black baseball players today, we have fewer black baseball coaches. And then if you go to the HBCUs, in many of them, and Arkansas Baptist was a perfect example, you know, that that's where your largest white population that comes to play, they just want to play, all right? Well, the development is that we don't play baseball as much today because to play baseball, you can't throw it and hit it. And that's what dad is used to do. That's why Satchel Bay, they had, they had, they had, they had role models training them to be baseball players. Right now we're basketball and we're football because you can do that yourself. But unfortunately, what we have to address and what I'm working on now is that due to the high homicide rate of African-American males and the high incarceration rate due to homicide being the number one cause of death for black males age 1 to 44 and the number two cause of death for black females age 1 to 19, we're incarcerating all right, such a, a, a large percentage of African-American males and we're burying those others that's been murdered. And so this is a social phenomena that athletics must bring to, to, to the mind because if the NFL, the quality of, of NFL play and the quality of college football, do you realize, and I'm going to do, do a deal on, on my show this um, on the buzz on Thursday night on Recruiting Intelligence Report, you realize now that we have fewer first-generational students playing, uh, participating in college now than we had before, because of the uh, of of the barriers that we have put into play, that's keeping these young men from getting into college because we have these standards and all these things that have 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 created barriers rather than access. That's why the HBCUs are so important. And I question why is the why are HBCUs part of NCAA? Tell me. I mean, really think about. It. They don't play in the championships. The most that we will get is one game. You get one team, you know, into the NCAA in the basketball. All right. That's it. So why do we let them legislate how we educate and we get no money? Uh, you know what, Coach? Um, I don't know how the other guys think. Uh, but I had never really thought about it. But I grew up playing baseball. And it was my uncles, um, and, and 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 people in and the grown men in my our neighborhood yeah. 
that that was teaching us how to play baseball, teaching us how to pitch, teaching us how to field, teaching us how to hit. Um, but I I I didn't see the disparity the uh, the difference in today from where I am today. But but you're right. I never noticed that before until you just no, brought no, it to my supposed- attention. Yeah, it's a sociology issue that that you realize today in 1960, 80% of black families were led by men. Today, 28%. That's why the issue is. You know, when people start saying, I say, hey, no, I, I'm not going to blame it on race. I'm going to blame it on moral decay because I'm a man. I'm a bit by scripture. So we want to fix this problem in our community. Guys, we got to stop all of this unwed pregnancies in our community. These are things we have to address. And when we see wrong, we have to correct it. We're not doing that. Then we want to know what's wrong. That's why the prison population has gone from 200,000 in 1982 to 2.5 million a day and 60% of inmates are men of color. That's and, dysfunctional. And and they're talking about expanding the prisons up here in Fayetteville. Oh, no, no, no. That's what they can do because, they're, <laughs> because, because you have to because when you're not, I mean, you know, look, I, I, I remember one, one of the things that um, – I can't think of his name. Bill Curry told me before one of the games I was head coaching, he said, hey, coach, because, you know, he's FCA, and I love him to death, and how he said he was always a good mentor. He said, when you go back and watch film, he said, he said it's not going to be how you – he said, if you don't win, he said, it's going to be how you lost it. And I'm saying that's exactly what's going on in our community today. We're losing because, guys, the model for what we're supposed to be was in the 50s and 60s. In the worst situations of racism, uh, uh, Jim Crow laws, do you realize what we accomplished? I mean, think about it. We, the, go- the government didn't help us. The Black yeah. Wall Street was built in, from 1865 to 1921. Black Wall Street was built. Who gave who help? We did it ourselves. Yeah. So we have the capability. What we got to do is say, why are we losing? Right. Well, how we lose it, and we have, and we have to be honest with ourselves, and we have to address it because you don't keep running a play that you can't get to be successful, or if you're fumbling, you you don't keep running that. Say, say you get negative yard on every time you run it. Every then. time, and that's what we're doing. We still running it. There's something wrong with that. Hey, at some point, we ought to be booing. You know, <laughs> hey, we need to change this play, man. Yeah, yeah, we see that up in the stand. Why you run that? So, you you, you had made a you had, you had made a first down, and that we're using that all game. Quit running that play. Well, look, what's happening that 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 our black boys, twenty five black boys, black males are dying. Every Every day in the United States of America. You don't, y'all, did y'all know that? 25. Yeah. I call it hood roulette. Hood roulette. Mm. Because 25 brothers are going to die in the hood. You right. ain't heard about it. The only time you hear about it is when it's outside of our race to kill us. But we're killing each other and we don't even talk about it. That's a problem. Well, I know. Uh, that is a problem. I, I, I know. Um, and, I, you know, I was going to give a shout out later on in the show. But since you brought that up, I wanted to say... Um, Rest in peace to uh, Javen Graham. He was a uh, he was uh, just going he, first year Grambling college student fighting leukemia, and he was just murdered in Little Rock this week. And um, I mean, he had already had some other disabilities and everything. And I mean, he's he had lived beyond the expectations of the doctors and everything. 
and um, they're having his uh, viewing and services this weekend. And uh, right. And and I mean, it, it just touched the whole community because he was a good kid. He wasn't in. He wasn't, oh yeah, he, it he happens was, every day. Yeah. I had one killed on my kid. Derek Olivier is what I worked for. I created Derek Olivier Research Institute uh, for the prevention of gun violence, and I hope you'll have me back because I'm actually writing a game plan uh, uh, right now that will be out this fall called um, uh, First and Forty Five with Coach Fitz Hill the game plan to tackle the epidemic of black male homicide in the United States. And what I've been doing for the last 10 years since Derek was killed on our campus on September 27, 2012, I've been researching this this deadly virus. It's a homicide virus that's plaguing our highly populated African-American community throughout the United States of America. Yeah. And it's the number one cause of death. But what, what, what statistics tells me right now is that my grandson is three, my son, Justice, is 22. Might, my son, might not make Justin, it to 30. Might not make it that, to 15. That, that, that if they if they don't make it to 45, right? The, the the number the problem will be that they were killed by gun violence. Now, once you get to 45, all right, the number one cause of death for black men is heart disease. If you get to 64, it's cancer. So my deal is, if you want to go to McDonald's and eat. And, and, and get heart disease, whatever you want. I, I can't control that. That's your choice. Right. All right. But my issue is I don't want you to get killed going to McDonald's. Well, you know, that's what yeah, I'm well, well, coach, you know what? Uh, uh, growing up, um, I actually didn't think I was going to live to see 22, 20, 20, Likewise. 26. Likewise. Okay. All right. So, so that's, guys, Likewise. that's a, all right. So here, here's what I'm saying. That's a problem. Likewise. See, that's what I'm saying. In our communities, we're the only, I, I, I've, I've talked, we're the only really, unless you, I, I've been to Africa, unless you go to third world countries. Why? Because it's a zip code. It's, it's associated, it's called a violent hotspot. That shouldn't be, guys. You don't, why you don't, let me ask you this. Why you don't have this problem in North Dakota? Well, they got other problems over there, and, and yeah, they, they yeah, address yeah, them. But, 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 yeah, but, I'm not going to they got other problems. But I'm, I'm not disagreeing yeah. with what you're saying. But yeah, I'm saying no, they're no, different. But what, I, I'm not, but I'm, what I'm talking about, but what, but what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the number one cause of death. Yeah, right. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about any any environmental issues. I'm saying <laughs> you can go to North you can go to North Dakota and you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about your life. I don't know. They just tore up the cusser venue when Kid, uh, Kid Rock yeah, decided. Yeah, but but but, <laughs> decided but that's not. An, that's I. That's an anomaly. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to get. I'm just. I'm just trying to keep it light, Coach. All right. So no, no. I'm, I'm, hey, we can't keep it light because this is life. Right. I and I understand that. I understand that. I understand it. Limbo, where you at, man? Cause he lived in Kansas City, and uh, you know I grew up in Wy oh, yeah. I, I grew up in uh, in Wyandotte, uh, Wyandotte County, and uh, they call it crime dot up there now. I mean, I'm scared yeah. to even I mean, go go visit though? my I home mean, home city. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, and I'm saying when when we look at that, I mean, and I'm saying we can't stand on the sidelines and think, okay, there, why can't we do something? Listen, if we can send a billion dollars to Ukraine. Well, I, now, else? now I've always said that if we can send all this money to do all this stuff for other countries, yeah. why why can't we help the yeah. homeless? Why can't well, we help I, the vets? Why can't we help the help the poor? Yeah, well, in let our me country? ask you this: Y'all understand 
I went to Desert Storm. I'm I'm a proud Bronze Star recipient, well, and I didn't know anybody. Service. I didn't I didn't know anybody in Saudi Arabia. All right, now I'm over there fighting for somebody I don't know. I got mothers. I had a lady. I had a mother on my show tonight on leadership and faith for every Arkansas on a faith-based show because her son was just murdered in Chicago after graduating from Arkansas Baptist College. She is mm. torn. She, we raising money for her so she can bury her son this weekend. Now he graduated from Arkansas Baptist College, went back to his high school to, to work with underserved and underprivileged kids. And he lost his life helping other people. He wasn't a gangbanger. And so I'm saying, so we, you know, now the only time that we bring this up to us is when it's somebody outside of our race kill. It's on CNN and everything, but that's a small percentage of the homicide. Y'all realize since 1950 to 2019, over four, almost 450,000 black males have been murdered in the United States of America compared to 291,000 killed, both black and white, all ethnicities in World War II. Now think about that. Mm. Wow, that's 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 a crisis in every proportion. So we're only listen, we're only seven percent of the population, but we've had almost a half a million black men murdered in the United States of America, and ninety percent of it was was fratricide, which is a new name for for black on black crime. Wow. So this is a different form of, of slavery, the, the, oh, and we're perpetrating it, it, that too. What you know? You know what the Ku Klux Klan said on on yeah, a piece. I got. You know yeah. what he said? Here's what he let, said. Let him do it. He, yeah. he said we don't have to kill them no more. We don't have to kill there black people anymore. He said all yeah. we do is put liquor and AK-15s in the community and they kill themselves. And we see that every time, every other block here in Dallas, in South Dallas, there's a liquor store or a liquor store. Oh. That's what I'm saying. And so what so the guys, the same intensity that it took for us to get our civil rights to take is the same intensity it's going to take for us to respond to the civil responsibility of taking back our community because here's the greatest thing about it. We already have done it. So we're not on a new frontier that hadn't been done. That's what the 50s and 60s were for. That's how the civil rights laws were passed, which I never would have been the first, which that's something I'm gonna talk about in the book, you know, how, what really that definition, that never would have happened if I, I would never got the opportunity to be the, the head football coach San Jose State. Hey, I was the first black assistant head football coach for the Razorbacks when Coach Nutt tapped me into that position. Well, those are opportunities. Well, that came because of 1964. So justice is slow. All right, but but that sacrifice is made. Those are things that my great great grandfather Watson Hill, who was born a slave in 1928, who changed his name to Hill once he moved to Southwest Arkansas because a white man was nice to him and befriended him the way his slave master abused him in Tennessee. So his name is Hill. That's far as I can go back. I'm I'm living the dream that he had for me. My grandfather, you know his name is. Free man Hill. You go look on his desk. He was so happy that he was going to be free. He named him Free Man Hill. His, his headstone is spelled F-R-E-E-M-A-N. Free man. That's his name. Free man. Or Coach, wow. or Coach Hill, um, 
we're gonna have to get you back on the show, man. Oh yeah, we're, yeah. Y'all know y'all when y'all start talking about recruiting and 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 and, and opportunities. But hey, I'm here, man. I, 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 you know, we we hey, we got to keep talking about these issues that's taking life because hey, between the next, to, to, I want you to think about it this way. This is Tuesday night. Okay, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, between y'all doing the show, there will be another 75 black boys killed in the United States of America. Yeah. Wow. Now, take that take, take that to your knees tonight and pray that God will move use us to to stop this violence going on in our community. Amen. Well, hey, and, I appreciate uh, that, Doc. Yes, hey, we yes, needed sir. this. Yes, sir. No, I we appreciate needed this. And Coach yeah. Hill, I'm I'm actually reach out to you. Uh, I I got your number. I'm gonna reach out to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Y'all just 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 holler at me. All right, let me know. We'll do what we can to help. Okay. All right. I appreciate hey, you. Great show, big man. God bless you. Guys. God, for God you. Okay. Bless you too. Right. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Hold right. on. Window. Good job, man. Ooh, I didn't think we were gonna go that deep tonight. <laughs> hey, well, hey, that, that's part of the whole deal, look. That's part of that's what we're trying to create. I, 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 so, was, I, I thought we were going to talk about some Razorback sports. I didn't know we was going to get that deep hey, tonight. It is what it is. It you, is you, what you it did, is. You didn't know. You didn't know who who he was. Well, you know, I, uh, I knew I knew enough about him because you know he started the uh, what was that the uh, Black College Classic uh, football. Uh, Thing with Arkansas College, I knew I knew he was all about the, you know the African American community, the Black community, and all that stuff. But I, I I didn't know that he had his own show. I didn't know oh yeah you know some of the other things. And, and Limbo, you brought the book up. That's why I kept asking you guys to talk because I was asking questions. You about, can't talk because you talk all the time. Man, look here, I kept asking you guys I mean, I mean, to get I'm just in. Being honest with you. I mean, you talking about your, you know, your meeting with them. Yes, man, man, that was that was in the I first. Mean, knew, that was in I the first two minutes. That was in the first two minutes, and then we got to talking about UCLA, and and you know, we got to talk about some other things. But I man, kept saying, Limbo, Limbo. I said, Greg. I said, I said, Limbo, Greg. Y'all got something you want to say? Y'all didn't want to say nothing, so yeah, I, I mean, good job. I mean, don't worry about it. <laughs> 